welcome to Making It to the Mic, a podcast about how different voice actors got to where they are today. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and this week's guest is Sophia Cruz. Sophia is a bilingual voice actor and coach who works in commercials, e-learning, and audio description, a little-known area of VO which she covers in detail in this episode. We also talk about setting boundaries for yourself and building your business in a way that feels best for you. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with Sophia Cruz. Hi, Sophia. How are you today? Hi, Stephanie. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm good. So uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here to uh, to talk to us today about some interesting aspects of voiceover that not many people know about. Well, thank you so much for having me, and it's my pleasure. I look forward to to sharing everything that I know. Awesome. Well, I'd love to start by asking you, how did you make it to the mic? What did you do before you were a voice actor? That's always a great question. I used to be a human resources generalist in corporate America, and then I transitioned into an office administrator. So the reason why I mentioned both names, or both titles, I should say, uh, is because when I was a human resource generalist, that was the first time that I had people tell me, wow, you sound great. (laughs) Your voicemail sounds amazing. And I would have people ask me to do their voicemail greetings. And I always thought that was so funny. And so as a HR person, you know, a lot of people called me every single day for a variety of reasons. So that's why I kept hearing that over and over. And then as an office administrator, you know, people would always compliment me on my, on my voicemail as well. And that was just the theme that I always saw in, in my, in my, you know, business career that people were drawn to my voicemail greetings. Interestingly enough, that was my first voiceover job. So uh, it's so funny. That's why I bring it up because my first voiceover job was a, you know, an IVR, interactive voice response, um, voicemail greeting. That's awesome. That's so funny because I feel like uh, a lot of people come from the corporate world or from the performing world, but I haven't had anybody kind of put it in those terms. Like, I came from the corporate world and people always said I had a good voice and they asked me to do their voicemails. I love that. I have to ask you this, and this is a very informal poll because I have this theory, and I don't know if it's true or not, but my experience over the past 15, 16, 17 years has been people who do have a performance background, either acting, improv, especially the musical talented skill set. I feel they have such a much easier time in this business and excel at a much quicker speed Mm -hmm. than someone like myself who had none of that. I mean, I did plays growing up at school and my church, but I didn't have any formal training I certainly can't sing, <laughs> which I've lost several really, really good opportunities. So my first tip, if you if you allow me, if you want to do animation and you want to do projects that require an additional skill set, my number one tip is get some singing lessons and get good for that. Because in the last month, I've lost three really big opportunities because I don't know how to sing. Mm. That's so interesting. Like I can't, I mean, I can't, you know, I sing for myself in the bathroom and in my car, but definitely not Nickelodeon or Disney or, you know, Cartoon Network, DreamWorks uh, level. So, but people who play an instrument, interestingly enough, they can do it. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like I, I know somebody who said I've never taken any singing lessons 
but he he's got like several guitars and instruments in his studio. So he's very talented in that way and was able to sing and has, you know, shows on Disney and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I am not that person. I totally agree. I feel like I came from the musical theater world and I feel like having had that acting background and just sort of the general know-how of of that side of it made me go, oh, yeah, I got this. Oh, okay, I know what they're talking about. And when I was in class with people who hadn't had that background, I could see that they were like, wait, what in the world am I supposed to do with this? Just basic stuff, breath support, staccato, the rhythm, the beats, pacing. I think you have so much built in when you have that, when you have mastered that skill set before starting voiceover. Now, that's not to say, you know, I'm not saying you can't be, I mean, I'm super successful despite not having any of that, right? Right. So it's not impossible. I just feel like it really does make such a huge difference. So anyone who were to to listen to this either now or in the way future, uh, I think it's so important to, to drill that because I don't hear or see many coaches talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That musicality and, you know, the ability to, to kind of use your breath and especially when you're doing longer form stuff. And I know you do a bit of e-learning as well. Is that right? Yeah, I do a lot. I I have mastered a lot of genres. E-learning is one of them. I am currently only doing e-learning in very short amounts, meaning the modules are one to five minutes in length, which if you know anything about e-learning, there's not that much work available in that way. But I also am a big proponent of manifesting. And so I feel that every single job that is available in the one to two to five minutes, I've been able to get. <laughs> so I'm in the process of booking anywhere between 60 to 500 one to two minute e-learning videos. Wow. So I don't want to record more than five minutes at a time. But when it's when it's given to me in that way, where it's one to two minute videos, and I have plenty of time, you know, for me, that's that's a no-brainer. I'll take that project for sure. Yeah. So for those people who may not even know what e-learning is, can you kind of explain a little bit about that genre of voiceover? Yeah. So e-learning really has been um, a big part of our business for a long time. I think it's just recently, and I say recently as in the last 10 years, taken off within the average voiceover person because E-learning used to be known as distance learning. Now, when I worked in HR, um, that's what we called it, distance learning. It was, we're, we're training all of our corporate employees via distance learning. However, back in the 90s, when this was introduced uh, in that way in corporate, um, they would fly me out. I would fly out from Chicago and go to another location, another headquarters, and I would train people. And I also became a train the trainer. So I was a TTT, um, where I would go fly, train the, the trainers there, and then they would teach what I taught them. That was really popular in the 90s because you know, we, there was an excess of money, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so then distance learning came about when we couldn't go into where it wasn't, I shouldn't say worth it, but it wasn't worth it to the company to send someone. They were like, there's only 10 employees there, so they get distance learning. And really, I worked for Axiom, which is a big tech company, and it's one of the companies that built um, Abilitech. And Abilitech is the is the computer software algorithm. I don't even know how to explain it right now. Um, 
where they collect all of our information. So everything, every address you've ever lived in, everything that you've purchased, like they began what I would consider the consumer profiling. Mm-hmm. So they were very technically advanced. So that's why our company had distance learning at the forefront. So today, fast forward to 2022, many companies, especially after um, the shutdown and people not being able to leave, it became even more. So prior to the shutdown in 2020, e-learning was already scheduled and on track to become the fastest growing genre in voiceover next to audiobooks. Since 2020, it has exploded because if I wanted to solely make a living in voiceover as an e-learning narrator, and that's all I wanted to do, I could easily, easily make anywhere between $200,000 to half a million dollars in that genre. That's how much work there is. Wow. And so for me, I did that. <laughs> I booked I booked $100,000 worth of work and I realized that I do not like recording all day doing e-learning. And so I decided to, you know, take a leap of faith and say I'm I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, I'm going to do smaller amounts of e-learning and narration in general. Just reduce my narration down to, you know, 5 to 10 minutes and then commercials and everything else that I do. I constantly say no to projects. It's been it's been really interesting for me to see that like how much people want long-term e-learning narrators where it's not just for this one project for this one company. I feel like because of 2020 I have seen an increase of companies wanting long-term narrators because there's so much there is so much work. Well, paid work. So I'm going to say that again. Not only so much work, well-paid work. If you hear nothing from this podcast, I hope that people will understand if there's one genre you do not need to discount, it's e-learning. You do not need to discount your e-learning rates, whatever you call it. Why? Because there's such a demand for high-quality e-learning narrators. Does that mean that everybody pays fairly and good? No. But I will say out of all genres, I feel the majority of people do. I will, if I had to put a number, I would guess that 75%, if not more, pay what I would consider industry standard rates. That's pretty big. And I love that you said that you turn down work because I feel like sometimes we all get into this, like, I have to take every job that comes my way. And and I love that you've gotten to a place in your career where you could say, actually, that doesn't work for me or that doesn't bring me joy or I'm exhausted when I record for eight hours a day and and I'm going to just kind of set harder boundaries and say, these are the things I'm taking and these are the things I'm just letting go. I love I love that, you know, that reminder. Yeah, thank you for saying that because you're right. Very few people even talk about this. So one of the things I'm super passionate about and why I launched Winning and VoiceOver, which is my teaching and coaching business, is because there's a lot of stuff that people don't talk about. And one of the things that I feel, this is my perspective, my opinion, is that we we foster a workaholic environment in VoiceOver. I 1000% yeah, I'm I'm right, you know, we take a vacation and we take a selfie. Look at us. We're on vacation, but we're still recording. We're in the car recording. I'm underneath the blanket recording. And it's 
you know, there's a lot of need for validation. Again, I raised my hand here, right? I needed to be validated. I wanted people to see, look at me. I'm I'm working all the time. I'm an in-demand voice actor. But I think that feeds something that is very, very unhealthy. I want to be (laughs) one of the voices that says, you don't have to do that. Because anybody who knows me over the past 15 years can see that was Sophia when she was working like that. This is Sophia now where she's not working like that. And I have business life proof that you don't need to do that. So if I had stopped recording and my business went down the tubes, (laughs) then I would have no leg to stand on. It would be like, okay, well, we're not following what you have to say because you stopped taking long form narration and you're not making as much money. Well, the opposite is true. Hmm. I decided to honor my heart, which goes against my brain, right? The brain is like, don't do that. The ego is like, nope, we're not doing that. It took a leap of faith for sure. It was a huge leap of faith to say no. It's, it hurts. It physically hurts to say no to thousands of dollars every day. It still does. I'm not going to lie. Because for so long, we are trained. Like you said, we really are trained. It's almost like the starving artist mentality. You take every job no matter what, right? And there's we never know where the next job is going to come from. That is true. We don't, we don't approach, I don't approach this business, nor would I ever recommend anyone approach this business like we've arrived, we've got it. I'm always secure. Right. <laughs> you know, I get, you know, that's that's not reality. However, we can't always live like we're impoverished beggars either, mm-hmm. because when we do that, that's what we attract. So ever since I really, really taken to heart the abundance and manifesting principles that I learned from my teacher, Leanna, my life, my business has radically changed. And I am incredibly abundant in every single area of my business because I decided to honor myself and what I really wanted. And I happen to be a voice actor that does not like to be in the studio eight hours a day, 10, 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, I was in the studio during 2020. It's so much work. There's just so much work. And if I were to say yes to every single job I get even now in my inbox, that would be my reality. But I have chosen to walk by faith, trust in the divine, in the universe to provide for my everyday needs and desires. And it's been so amazing to change and to see the fruit of that. And And, you know, if I, you know, the 60 to 300, you know, one to two minute videos is definitely more towards the former way of living, but it pays significantly better than the normal e-learning rate because they're videos, short videos. So I tend to charge more and then I make sure that they don't rush me, that it's not something I have to turn around like in a week. And it's so great because I mean, like that, I have no problem. I have my own audio engineer on staff with me. And and so we knock those things out every day. If I record one to two hours a day, I'm super happy. Once I get past two hours a day, I'm not as happy. And that's what's so great about voiceover. We can choose, we can design our career to fit our life. Whether I was a mom, when when I was a mom, when I should say, when, when I was a mom to my son, when he was still at home, he was my number one priority. My business was not as robust. I made that choice. And now that he, you know, it's been, it's been at least six years he's been gone. So I've been an empty nester for quite a while. Um, and, not, and and of course, in the last six years, my business definitely took off because I was able to put more focus in it. So, you know, in the span of my life, 
as a voice actor in my personal life, it's gone up and down based on my personal life. And I happen to be in an era now where I'm like, I want to be outside. I want to go swimming. I want to go with the dolphins and the whales and be at the beach more often, go for walks and hikes. That fills my soul way more than being inside recording. And I get to do that now. So my daughter is almost five and and I felt very emotional when you were talking about that because we, you know, my husband and I have have sort of come to terms with the fact that right now, because of his work schedule, you know, and she's only in school part time for pre-K this year, that it's kind of like right now I have, you know, X number of hours per week on voiceover and that's it. And instead of trying to fight it and be like, oh, where can I squeeze another 20 seconds in? It's like. Okay, in the fall, she goes to kindergarten. She'll be gone for eight hours a day. Like, that'll open up a whole new world. And I very recently have kind of come to terms with, like, this is how my business looks right now for the next, you know, four or five months. I physically don't have the time to take on, you know, a 14-hour project because I literally don't have the hours to do it. Right. Yes. And I'm so glad you're saying that and that, you know, this is part of this podcast because we need permission. We need to give ourselves permission to be okay and not get stuck in FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. You're not missing out. You're the only thing you're going to be missing out is on your daughter's life. Right. <laughs> you're not getting that you're not getting those years back. I'm not getting back the 18 years that I had with my son. Had I not prioritized him, I would never get that back. And now that I'm on this side, you know, I can literally say on this side, it was one hundred percent worth putting him first. It doesn't mean that as a mom, I couldn't be a successful entrepreneur. And, you know, and, and I had to learn a lot. You know, there's a lot of stuff I had to learn. Well, if I can go back in time when I started this, having him and, you know, being married and everything, I, it would look a lot different. But those are the lessons that I had to go through. And, and I can unequivocally say, you know, choosing my son, making a priority to pick him up from school, drop him off in the morning, be that homeroom mom, go on field trips, you know, drop off his lunch when he forgot it, whatever it meant, I was there a hundred percent of the time. And even recently he was, he was visiting me and he was here for a week. It was an intentional time that he needed of me. And he, you know, he came here for a specific reason, needed my support. I gave that to him and I recorded at when he, he always follows East coast hours when he's here. So you know, he wakes up at some crazy hour, like six in the morning, my time, but I'm here until 8 PM. And then I wasn't recording until after 8 PM so that I could be present with him with what he needed while he was here. And I still do that. So even now I still do that even now. And of course it's always the week that clients are like, can you record? I mean, you know, I had so much work and I, I had to say, no, I said, my son is in town. It was an unexpected visit. I'm sorry. I can't do anything this week. And it's always, always worth it because you just, we never know. We never know what tomorrow is going to bring. We, you know, if, if the quote unquote pandemic didn't teach us to value our health, our family, our home, then I don't feel like anything would. Yeah. And I, and I, and I do feel like there's some, I don't know if it's social media or I don't know what it is, but some or internal or both some sort of pressure that like, to be a voice actor, quote unquote, I have to, you know, work. I have to work all day, every day. I have to work through the night. When the auditions come, I have to jump in my booth and do them. And I think it it just bears, you know, reminding that the for myself, the reason that I loved this business when I started it and came 
out of musical theater to voiceover was the independence and the and the way, you know, the way that it was like, oh, my God, I don't have to go wait in line at the musical theater auditions. I can do things on my terms. And I think somewhere along the way I lost that. And I'm and I'm kind of regaining that now and, and remembering that, like, it's OK to say I'm taking four days off with my family and no, I'm not taking equipment with me. Or if you want to say I am taking equipment, that's fine, too. But to be able to feel that that's your choice instead of some pressure from somewhere. I do agree with you. I feel that we have that pressure and it's it's definitely a legitimate pressure. I'm not going to say that it's not. It really depends on your career and it really depends on the genre of work that you book. You know, we know the golden handcuffs exist in voiceover. However, I feel way more people have handcuffs without the golden aspect to it, meaning the pay is so ridiculous for the handcuffs that they're being asked to have. That's so true. I lost an agent because I made a mistake. I shared something I shouldn't have shared uh, on social media. I'm so vehemently opposed to someone telling me that I have to be available at whatever hour of the day is needed. It's so funny because when I lost that agent, because I said that, (laughs) I had another agent say, I work with my talent so that they never have to work on the weekends because I don't want my talent to be burnt out. And I was so glad to have that contrast Mm. because otherwise you believe that's how you have to be. Otherwise, if you only hear one agent or 10 agents say, you always have to be available, and I don't care what time it is, 4 in the morning, 11 p.m., midnight, you have to make it work. And that's what you hear from 10 agents. And you never hear that one agent <laughs> that says, you know, I do my best. Now, not every client's going to honor that. You know, of course, there are times where you just, if you don't do it, you're going to lose the job. That's a real thing. But if for the most part, the agent is saying, hey, I'm willing to work with you because I get it, because I know what it is to be burnt out, and I don't want you to be burnt out, and we all get burnt out, and then that's not pretty, right? I I was burnt out after 2020. I was like, if I never record another day in my life, I'm so good. That's why you have to find people who honor your point of view. Now, it does take, I will say that you can't demand that without any experience, without any a a true foundation of a relationship. So I can't come, well, that's not true. I have, I have since gotten other agents and I have, I do start off the conversation with, I prefer to not record, you know, these kinds of um, things. And I, I set my parameters and I said, if you're, if you're okay with working with someone who has these parameters, I'd love to join your roster. So that way there isn't a misunderstanding. So that the whole situation was really a learning experience for me. And I don't, I don't hold it against my agent that dropped me for that. That's, you know, that's definitely, you know, that was that decision they needed, felt they needed to make. And it was a big learning experience for me. And, um, and it helped me set better boundaries for my existing agents and future agents. Um, So it is good. People who have golden handcuffs, they have them for a reason. They have to be available. And that's a choice they get to make. So when you get to choose to be a golden handcuff voice actor with all the aspects, meaning golden, you're living in a mansion, you're making way more than a million dollars, you're in demand all day, every day, and that's why you're in a golden handcuff mansion, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the luxury to say, I don't want to work today, because if they do, they lose the job. They'll lose six figures and more right? Because that's not what they signed up for. 
So always know what you're signing up for. Always know what you're wishing for. I don't care if someone were to come to me tomorrow and said, here's $10 million. It required, we're going to build you a mansion with the best fake beach, the best pool, and, but you have to be inside eight to 10 hours and you never can decide when you want to leave. Uh, for me, that's a hard no. For other people, that's like, oh my gosh, that's heaven. Right, right. And that's the beautiful thing. If it's heaven or hell, you get to choose for yourself. Right, right. And we forget that because I'm. I look at you know maybe I'm you know listening to you talk and I'm like, oh god, no! I all I want to do is be inside all day. But you know, but that's somebody else may look at it and be like, oh wow, yeah, I want the pool and I want to be able to use it. Yeah, exactly. I want the pool and want to be able to use it when I'm in the mood, not when I'm free for ten minutes or I have to worry and check my phone and check my and always be connected to a device. So to me, I'm like, oh, that just does not feel good to me at all. I don't want to be connected to my device. I don't want to have to answer every email as soon as it arrives. I know it's part of the business and I do it because, I mean, I'm in the business, right? I I can't get it my way 100% of the time. But as much as I can, I don't want that to be all of my business. You always have a choice. And that's the beautiful thing. If you end up like, oh, wow, I'm in a golden handcuff situation. I don't like it anymore. It takes a lot of courage to walk away from that. For sure. But pivoting, you know, if you pivot in your business to follow your heart, I feel my experience, it's been worth it 100%. 100%. I would I would do it all over again. So a genre that I know you are a, a specialist in that I don't know many other people who are is audio description. So first of all, what is audio description? And can you kind of tell us, you know, about that part of voiceover and how you got into it? Yeah. So audio description is basically a service that serves the blind or low vision um, community. So it basically anything that is being shown on the screen that doesn't have uh, wording attached to it. So we're all so used to seeing, we don't even realize that, that a story is incomplete because I don't know what's happening and there's no dialogue. So audio description fits that purpose. It's designed to fill in and really round out whatever story is being told, whether it's a commercial or a movie or a TV show or a live event. It could be anything, museum. There's just so many applications. It is mandated by by law through the FCC. I don't remember if 75 or 80% should need to have audio description. Uh, A lot of the streaming services actually go far beyond what the FCC mandates for regular um, broadcast. And, you know, Disney Plus, Apple, HBO Max have done an amazing job of doing audio description for almost every title they have, which is significant. Wow. It's more than just voiceover work. Those of us who do audio description... Or AD narrators. It's really more as a as a service. It's a service that we know fulfills something very meaningful to this community. And they're incredibly vocal because they're treated like they don't fully matter. Because if they fully mattered, everything would have audio description and everything doesn't. Mm. And so it leaves them with that feeling. And that's a very valid feeling. So Uh, I teach audio description. I coach for audio description. I always tell my students, your goal, regardless of whether the client thinks it's right or needed, if your goal, your personal goal in doing this is to make sure that what you're bringing to the table is to serve this community to the best of your ability and that you're going to do that, then for sure you're going to be doing a great job because some companies, not all, but some companies treat it as a requirement, check a box. And the quality may not matter. 
as much or they don't care how the person sounds. And so that's a that's a disservice to the community because it isn't just to put a voice, it's to make it sound good and it's to make it sound like a production, like it, like the whole movie was. <laughs> why is this one component not being treated that way, right? That's why I teach my students to do it from a from a place in their heart to serve this community. It's not just another commercial, it's not just another e-learning. Really if we all apply that for everything, but I feel like for this genre especially it's so important and it's so meaningful to people. Like this is real people who care about understanding that movie, that TV show. Then I feel that that works really well from us. And, you know, my teacher, Roy Samuelson, really leads the charge in this way. He's really a strong advocate for, for the blind and low vision. And he makes sure that we include them in the process. So in my classes, I bring on a blind advisor team so that my students can learn from them as well. It's not just me as a sighted person teaching. I want them to have the full experience that, hey, if you're doing audio description, here's a panel of blind people who can tell you, did you sound believable? Did you did they like it? So I think that that's really a key thing. And I happened to fall into it because, you know, I met one, a VP for a company and then I took a class with him on acting, you know, how to how to act. And I remember specifically saying, I don't want to take the class. And, you know, in Los Angeles, for those that don't know, it always bodes well for you to take classes for people to hear you and see you and, and get to know you. Is it a guarantee that you're going to book work from that? No. Never come with the expectations that you're showing up to a class and you're somehow miraculously going to be discovered and work is just going to pour down. You know, it doesn't work that way. However, when you do show up and you do your best and you bring your A game, it is possible that you will get noticed and you can get work. So in this instance, that was happening unbeknownst to me. I had no clue, like zero clue I was being auditioned. And I don't think I was being auditioned. It just happened to be this person has is a VP for this company. He said, you know, I was really impressed with how well you did. And I would like to get your narration demo. Again, zero clue. I have no idea why this person's asking me for my narration demo. I'm like, okay, here you go. And then next thing I, I'm in Mexico traveling, doing my thing. Just audio description was the last thing on my mind. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm in Mexico. This is not a good time for me to be taking on projects. You know, I'm traveling. And he's like, no, this is really important. Can you please, you know, make it a priority to, you know, onboard into our system and, I just remember thinking, oh, this is the last thing I want to do right now. But, you know, out of respect, out of a gratitude, out of, you know, gosh, you know, going back to that mindset of like, you know, this is an opportunity. I probably shouldn't waste it. So I submitted and I still prolonged it a couple more months. By God's grace, he kept insisting, Sophia, please get everything in order. I have a job for you and you need to get it done. And I'm still like, you know, in La La Land, like, oh, I just arrived back in LA. I need some time off, you know, <laughs> like literally how I'm behaving, like a total brat. And then I find out it's for Disney Plus. I never see people as a commodity. Like I didn't see him and think, oh, he's the VP of blah, blah, blah. And I think he knew that, like he knew I'd never cared about 
his relationship with mine because of jobs he can give me. In fact, I was kind of being a brat about it. Like, and I almost thought, gosh, he should have given up on me. I mean, I made him wait for three freaking months. And next thing I know, I'm an approved Disney Plus narrator. And next thing I know, I have so much audio description work in addition to the $100,000 e-learning job, in addition to all the commercials I book, in addition to the corporate videos, in addition to the IVR, in addition to blah, 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 blah. And that is how 2020 became such a huge year for me. Um, but I really do actually, it's so funny because I actually really do enjoy the Disney plus titles the best. I think they're, they're really, really great. And, um, I, I, I happen to be really good at it. And I think it's because of my e-learning experience, having so much narration work under my belt. It was super easy. I actually did take in show TV narration work, which is what I believe this genre really is because an in show TV narrator completes the story. And that's exactly what we're doing for the blind community. So unfortunately, audio description is not seen as that. And I'm doing my part <laughs> to see if we can get it to that. But it's unfortunately seen more closer to dubbing, which it's so not, like so not. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done in audio description. And I'm grateful to be part of the leadership team that is working behind the scenes to ensure that this genre gets paid fairly. Um, that it gets, you know, given the respect that it requires for the blind community, but also for the actors, uh, the narrators, as we're known, not really actors, narrators. Um, and, you know, that it's it's a win-win for everybody. So there's a lot of work to be done. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful that I even had the chance to do it. I didn't even know what, honestly, I didn't even know what audio description was. Zero clue. I just was clueless. And and that's how it that's how it began. Can you give us, you know, not not anything real, obviously, but just um, can you just like demonstrate what it what it is? Because I think uh, I, when I took the class and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be and way more involved than I thought, too, because I thought it was just like literally describing like a man walks on screen. But that's really not it. And I would love for you to kind of demonstrate a little bit of it. You know, if you could just make something up on the spot and putting you on the spot. It came easy to me because I understand a lot of different things and I and I I took I really feel like taking that in show TV narration class really helped me. Um <clears throat> it is more than that. Everything about audio description is the subtlety of it. Your your job is to be there to support. This is very similar to commercial work. Our job is to support what's on screen. It's not for us to be the main menu item. We're just there as a support. So you can't overpower the actual narrator of the show. Like I've done many shows that actually have a narrator. I do the um, the Wonder Years, the new one. I'm the the audio description narrator, so my narration goes on top, not on top, but like in addition to his narration, in addition to the actual show, right? So your job is to blend it all in, and every scene is different. So I'm not using the same cadence, the same tone in everything. But I'm also not monotone, but I'm also not ignoring the emotion on the screen. I'm, I'm reacting to what is being shown to me so that the blind person can also react to what they can't see. So to me, that's how I explain it to my students. My job is to give the blind person the same experience that I'm feeling when I see a scene. So if it's sad, my tone is more somber. 
not obviously, there have been times where I've actually cried, like physically cried, and I have to compose myself and re-record because I can never be a level 10. <laughs> I can't be like, and then he died. And then, you know, like I can, <laughs> I can never do that. So I can never be a level 10. Um, my, my personal, this is my own professional uh, opinion on, I feel like being at a level five is a really good level to be at. Never too low, never too high, not too emotional, but emotional enough where you're really a human interacting with what's happening on screen. And so I think that that's really the key to a successful audio description narration. So it would be like, I just did the Wonder Years episode right now. Uh, so let me just think of like the Williams family moves in a collage of portrait photos in yellow, red, and green letters, a title, The Wonder Years, right? It's like that. So if you notice, my cadence is actually a little bit like more uppity up because it's super happy. Like every time they play that music, so I'm going with the music, I'm going with what I'm seeing on the screen, a, you know, a photograph stack and the Williams family moves. And I'm like totally in the vibe of that scene. And then the next scene changes in the kitchen right? Then it's like no feelings. It's just a matter of fact, we're now in the kitchen. So I'm not feeling anything. So it's said more matter of factly. And then, you know, the little kid comes out, he comes out and, you know, dad, dad, whatever. So then I would say, William comes up to his dad, you know, <laughs> what skipping or whatever. So that's kind of how it works. And everything, everything is different. I also do the Mickey Mouse stuff all the Mickey um, cartoons, those are my favorite. And, you know, I tend to really like a lot of the kids stuff because those I can be a little bit more upbeat in the wonderful summer of Mickey Mouse, right? That's way different than the wonderful summer of Mickey Mouse, right? So I try to personally adjust my tone to the genre, to what I'm seeing and the audience of both blind and the intended audience for the actual show. I've also had the horror of narrating really awful stuff. I'm, I'm like, any virginity I had, because I don't watch horror and I don't watch evil stuff, that all went out the window when I had to narrate some stuff because I'm so naive, or I had been. Yeah, I, I don't think I would do well with the horror. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is so bad. I also did the scary movie. One of the scary movies, you know, the fake ones, you know, like it was so, it was so hard for me to get through that because I was laughing so hard. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I can't even keep a straight face, but somehow I had to because they keep a straight face. Um, so yeah, some, some things are way easier to narrate and some things are way harder to narrate. And right now there's a big boom in audio description because of there's so much need for content. People like binge watching. I'm like, do you guys not have a job? Because like, how do you binge watch all these shows? I I will never know. It's what keeps my, you know, it's what keeps me in business. Um, so there's such a need for description, audio description narrators because of the subtitles. So when a title is not dubbed and it's released in English with subtitles, but now the audio description narrator also has to do the subtitles. Mm. Oh, wow. And I've done a ton of, of stuff like that. And that requires a completely different read, in my opinion. Um, and thankfully, uh, HBO Max is the one that I've used done a lot through in this regard. They choose an audio description narrator for the base, you know, for the what would be considered traditional audio description. And then they choose male and female if there's various voices for the subtitles. And then, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, ideally they would have 15, however many females there were in that movie, 
um, they would have a different voice. Unfortunately, budget constraints don't allow that. So then if, again, because my goal is to ensure that I do everything to the best of my ability for them, I did try to do as many different voices, which is definitely not my strong suit, but I did it to the best of my ability to differentiate between each female. And, you know, it, it, it was as good as it got. But, you know, these are the things that we're working on. And and that's, you know, that's audio description. And if you want to learn more, you can go to my website. No, I was kidding. Yeah, the class was super interesting. And I loved that there were, you know, that you had brought in people who actually use the service to tell us like, that was really close, but not quite, you know, and it was it was great to hear from somebody who that's that's what they listen to all day long to enjoy their TV show. So they really know they really know that, you know, what they're listening for. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I feel like my calling, truly my calling I've, I've actually ignored is to help other people to be a teacher and a guide. Um, because clearly it's not my, it's not, it's a, it's a passion to do a great job. And I really do. I mean, it's been my life for 15 years, but you know, it doesn't make my heart jump for joy. I love, interestingly enough, I love booking the job. I don't always like doing the job, (laughs) which I think is so funny. Um, but I know that other people love it way more than me and they should do it more than me. And so if I can be of service and bring all the stuff that I've learned, that's what I'm putting into winningandvoiceover.com. So that's my new venture. That's my new business for voiceover training, for coaching and teaching other voice actors, whether they're beginners or advanced. Um, you know, it's really helping as many people that want to be helped by me as one of their, you know, stepping stones, because we all have to work with many coaches, not just one. Um, you know, if I if I get to be one of those coaches along an, anybody's journey, uh, I feel you know, is, is a great thing because I can help them whether they want to add more e-learning to their jobs, I mean, to their work or audio description or IVR, or, you know, I've helped many people actually book national commercials for, um, major brands. And I never thought that I would do that. So I really am branching out and in helping others become as successful as they want to be, you know, not, not putting any projections on them that they have to do it this way or it has to be done. No, finding a formula that works for them because every single one of us has different lifestyles, different different desires and needs. And so I think that's what separates me as a coach is that I'm not coming to the table with, it has to be done like this because this is how I do it. It's more like, let's explore what makes you unique and find a winning formula for you because I know that there's way more ways to skin this business than just the average way. So that's why I'm so excited about winning in voiceover and, and launching that and, and doing that more than, than recording voiceover. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all about, you know, all those different areas of things and your coaching. I'll definitely put a link to your website in the show notes. Thank you. Um, but this was awesome. Thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. I really appreciated Sophia sharing so honestly about setting boundaries. I think this is a really important conversation because it can be so hard to set boundaries when you work independently from home like voice actors do. It's a great reminder that you need to do what's best for you, both as a person and a business owner. And if that means saying no to projects or not working on the weekends or whatever it might be for you, that's okay. 
If you'd like to learn more about Sophia and her coaching, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemic.com. Please make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast where you're listening now so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. That's next time on Making It to the Mic.